You're listening to Build, Launch, Scale. The podcast for people focused on using technology to bring products to life. Each week, we'll dive into a specific topic within product management and hear from some of the best product people around. The goal? To help you find some inspiration, learn a few new tricks, and ultimately, build, launch, and scale better products. Build, Launch, Scale is a production of Product Collective, a community for product people and the organizers of Industry the Product Conference, where product people from all over the world gather every fall. For Product Collective, I'm Mike Belsito, and this is Build, Launch, Scale. As product people, one of the things you're likely to find yourself doing over and over and over again is making assumptions. Assumptions about your customers, assumptions about the problems that they're faced with, and how your solutions can help address those problems. And assumptions, they're not bad things. We actually have to make them. While we love using data, we don't often have the hard data that we could just point to in order to answer questions very quickly that need to be answered before we're able to create product. So, we in our teams, we live off of these assumptions. But even though assumptions are good and necessary, they still must be tested. They have to be challenged. And today, we'll chat with Cindy Alvarez, product management author, thought leader, and startup veteran on how we as product people should and can challenge assumptions. Cindy's the author of Lean Customer Development, which is one of the top product management-focused books available. Cindy's actually putting on an entire half-day working session at Industry the Product Conference on challenging assumptions. But my interview with Cindy... I wanted to first understand a little bit more about how we as product people can challenge assumptions appropriately. But first, I asked Cindy about her new role at Microsoft, a company that's much different, much larger than the startups that she had been a part of in the past. Previously, I had been running the research team for Yammer, uh, which was acquired by Microsoft a few years ago. I actually had been doing customer development with the rest of Microsoft, various teams. And I actually pitched my own role to where I am now, which is the cloud and enterprise division. They make developer tools for Microsoft, have been doing a ton of trying to become better at listening to their customers. They've all read the book. They've been doing workshops. But of course, as in any big company, they have a ton of divisions that don't do the best job of working across each other. And so I said, you should just have someone who does that. So I will. I am now tackling some of the most weird, ambiguous problems where people are like, I don't even know where to start. Uh, so that that is my job now, figuring out where to start. And since Cindy's job is figuring out where to start, I asked Cindy how she can help us start understanding the importance of not just making an assumption, but actually challenging that assumption. Cindy shares an example of how we might think we're right about a certain assumption, but if we move forward without really challenging it, well, we could get ourselves into some trouble. I find that a lot of times we are partially right. You know, we're smart. We know our business. We know our industry. And so we will have an answer that on the surface, you know, smells right. And so, for example, you know, probably the thing I see the most often is around pricing. So you might hear from customers that something's too expensive. And there's two ways for things to be too expensive. One is, you know, it costs $6 and I have $5. So there's just, there's no getting around that. I can't afford it. It's, it's a non-starter. But what I think happens much more often is that something costs $5, but all I have is 20. And I'm thinking, is it worth spending a fourth of what I have to get this thing? No, there's not quite enough value 
for me to spend $5 on this. And so that doesn't mean that your product is too expensive. It means that it's not providing enough value for me. And so you could try lowering the price, but you'd be much better off increasing the value. And so a lot of people stop at the, it's too expensive and they don't dig in. And there, there are a lot of things that kind of fall into this line of the customers give you an answer and it seems very reasonable. And yet what we give as that first answer is often not really what would drive us to change our behavior. But if the customer is giving us an answer, why would they then lead us astray? If we ask the customer what they want and they tell us, shouldn't we just accept it? Well, maybe not. It's not that the customer is lying to us, but they may just be, well, let's let Cindy fill us in. You might have indicated something through your past purchases or behaviors that this is the thing you want. And yet it might not be the thing you want. And you'll even see this in in internal meetings. So one of the exercises that I will have teams do sometimes is to have each person take a sticky and write down the goal or write down what's the core value of our product. And these are people who've worked together sometimes for months across the table from each other and they'll write down their stickies and they're never exactly alike. And sometimes they are really not alike. And 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 you have this moment of, but but Mike, we've been working together for six months. How could you not understand that this is the core value of our product? And you're like, I think it's this. And the thing is that the customer thinks it's something else. So those those kinds of things. That's like the root of, of all potential assumptions is, is that. Like, I assumed you wanted this and I had a good reason for assuming it, but I never actually tried to invalidate it by asking, what do you want? Like, we often ask, you know, would you like X? To which I might say yes. But if you said, what do you want most? I might say something completely different. So, yes, even when we're getting information directly from our customers, the assumptions we're making about what they actually need, they still need tested. They need challenged. So how do we challenge those assumptions? What processes can we put ourselves through? According to Cindy, there are a few ways we could think about our assumptions to help us actually challenge them. And it might not be as difficult as you think. It's really more of a mindset. People often don't know how to challenge an assumption in a way that is more structured than just arguing around the table. Um, Especially, you know, product people, engineers really love arguing around the table. So, you know, there's sort of some templates of like, well, well, what would we, what would we do for this to be not true? And I find that uh, just off, offhand, really good people who are really good at this are like data analysts because that's what they do is logic. So if you're like, this is how I would disprove this. I'm like, no, no, this is how you would disprove that. So let's say, let's say you've got, a product idea and you think it's good and everyone thinks it's good and it's it's got some roots in in customer feedback you know customers complained about this so we're going to build this we all think it's great maybe we even showed it to a couple of customers and said hey what do you think and they're all like it's great um, so they think well how would we test if it was actually not great part of that is just taking that flipped narrative of not what do you think but what's bad about this so maybe you decide to show it to some other customers and say look If tomorrow you came into the office and you had this feature instead of the one you're using today, what potential problems would you run into? And so now the only the only answer that you've suggested to them is negative. So they're going to give you negatives. And, you know, some people might say, oh, there's nothing. It's great. We want it right now. And to which you might kind of gently prod like, well, walk me through how you'd use it. You know, what would be different than what you have today today? And they'll kind of say, oh, you know, 
I really like the way this looks, but I'm not sure if this thing would still work. I'm not actually sure if my boss would be okay with this. Uh, is this going to cost more? Uh, so you want to like give permission for people to give those issues. You might also want to look for just things that are logically inconsistent. And so a lot of times we can find analogs in other behaviors. So, for example, people saying, I would pay X for this tool. Again, pricing is such a numerical thing that these things become obvious. Oh, I would buy, I would buy that tool for, I'd pay $5,000 a year for that tool. Like, okay. Um, I'm, I'm just curious, what other software have you bought for your, you know, for your company in the past year? And so they name things off. And if nothing even comes close to $5,000, that calls into question that yes. Now, if they've spent, you know, 15000 for this and 20000 for this, maybe you should raise your prices. But I've had people tell me very sincerely that they would pay thousands of dollars a year for software. And when I asked what else they were paying for, nothing, literally nothing. I'm using free SurveyMonkey. I'm using free Google Analytics. I'm using, you know, every freemium tool out there. Yeah, you're not going to pay me. So we can learn a lot from our customers when we dig further, when we test assumptions that we're making based on the things that they say and do. But these are our assumptions. We can get into good habits about constantly being in a mindset to ask ourselves if the data we have is actually real data or just an assumption that we're making, and then we go on and test that assumption. But what should we do when it's not our assumption? What if it's our boss's assumption or the CEO's assumption? Should we still push to challenge assumptions when they're not our own? Cindy's answer is yes, although we may need to tread carefully. You obviously have to be more diplomatic uh, when, when there are other people's assumptions. And I think one of the reasons why we don't is because it's very easy to have challenging assumptions sound like challenging that person's authority. And there's plenty of like, well, why are we doing that? I don't understand why we're doing this. Those sound very negative. They sound like, you know, as a manager, it would be very easy to inadvertently just kind of say, look, just do it. Like, I don't have the time to explain this to you. Just do it. Because when you, when you push back sort of generally, the person you're pushing back to isn't actually sure how much they would need to explain to get you on board. And they think about, do I have to have an hour-long conversation? Like, I, I just don't have time for that. And so I try and give them like a very specific question to answer, which is like, okay, so you're saying that we need to build this. Um, when we build that, when we're building it, what is the problem we're trying to solve? Or if I think I know it, to guess at it and say, okay, you're asking me to build this. Correct me if I'm wrong. It seems like we're trying to build this in order to solve problem X. Is problem X the problem we're trying to solve? Can you just, you know, can you confirm that? And you say it in a nice way, very conversational. And the person says, yes, problem X is what we're trying to solve. Or they say, well, no, that's not quite it. And I'm like, well, I want to make really sure I'm clear on the problem I'm trying to solve. And you don't even say, and I'm not going to build this yet. You can just start with, before I even get into the feature, I want to make sure I'm really clear on the problem. And so you ask for that. The person tells you the problem. And, and then you kind of think, you know, does that make sense? Does building this solve that problem? And if it doesn't, you can kind of, you know, innocently act dumb and be like, I'm not sure how that's going to solve the problem, though. So is that the core problem? And, and you just keep kind of doing that. And you can do it from the other side, too, which is, okay, if I build this to solve this problem, how are we going to measure that? How will we know if it's worked? And you put this, you couch this in the guise of not, I don't want to do what you asked, but I want to make sure I do a good job of what you asked. 
I want to do a good job of what you asked. I like that. And you know, it's actually true. When we're challenging the assumptions that others are making, whether it's our boss or CEO, hopefully we are doing it for the good of the company, not just to cause trouble. But this challenging of assumptions, it can sound pretty daunting because think about it. If this isn't something we're used to, if we've lived in a world where we've generally accepted most of the assumptions that we're making because we're smart people. Like Cindy said earlier, we've probably been right a lot. But now, Cindy, she's opening up our mind to being better than that. According to Cindy, the best product people push themselves to challenge assumptions. So do we challenge everything? I mean, if we did, wouldn't our entire day-to-day just constantly be tied up in challenging and testing assumptions? Well, it doesn't have to be that way. There are assumptions that have big or small consequences. If you were wrong, what would the cost be? And there's a lot of times where if you were wrong, it's not that big a deal. You know, we assume that this color scheme is great. If it's not, you know, you fix the CSS, you push it out tomorrow, no big deal. You know, if you send this email and people get kind of annoyed, but you only sent it to 5% of your, so maybe you send out another apology email being like, sorry, we, you know, we tried this new thing and kind of pissed you off and we didn't mean to, and we won't do it again. That's a really small price to pay. And as product managers, you're never going to be 100% certain. Like you're lucky if you get 70% confidence on something. So that 30% of, of, you know, of challenging assumptions of the things you need to worry about are the things where if you get this wrong, bad things will happen. And I find there's like a, just a kind of a useful binary of important. If I get this wrong, will bad things happen? No. Okay. Then run with it. Well, I'm sure that none of us want bad things to happen. So we should take Cindy's advice there. Of course, as I mentioned to Cindy, I've often found myself in situations where we know we want to get feedback. We want to test our assumptions, challenge them, but we need to do it quickly. We're in a time crunch. I asked Cindy if we had to be slow and methodical with testing assumptions, challenging them, or for situations like mine, there's a way to do this very quickly, maybe even same day. Not statistically significant, not uh, marketing reliable, but you know, the fastest thing you can do is give people one contrary question to ask and a tip of who to ask it to and uh, use, your, use your internal work network. So my research team on multiple occasions has had like a question where if we get if we get interesting, con, you know, contradicting advice today, we might change your mind. And if not, we're just going to run with it and say, OK, you know, let's quick huddle. What do we think? What kind of question could we ask that might reveal that we're wrong? Who should we ask it to? OK, so we want to talk to people who work not in front of a computer So like teachers, hospitality, and then we literally went around the office and we're we're forwarding Yammer messages to people saying, right now, get on Facebook. Any of your friends who meet these these criteria, like not engineers, not product managers, people who are teachers or work in hospitality or work at a hotel or they're a field scientist, whoever it is that meets that, like ask them this question right now. And we got back a handful of responses that were interesting enough to, to make people go, huh, that's way, maybe we should dig more into this. So you can do that kind of, you know, really, uh, you know, really scrappy, just whoever, who's on, who's got a, a, a green light on Facebook right now, you know, go into LinkedIn, post thing in your status right now, who can respond to this? Um, and the key there is really figuring out that person and, and giving the hints so that it's very easy if I want you, Mike, to ask your friends who are teachers this question, I should like write everything out. So all you have to do is copy and paste. 
And if I do that for you, you will do that for me. You will copy and paste into some messages and then you'll copy and paste what you get back and you'll send it to me and say, all right, here's the responses I got. And it's pretty easy for you and it's pretty fast for me because depending on the size of company you work in, you might be able to, you know, leverage 30 to 40 to 100 people doing this. And if every person gets one response back, that's actually a lot of research you could get in a day. So it is possible to challenge our assumptions quickly. And sure, it may not be statistically significant, but there is value. It is something. And that something might buy you more time. So if you got 20 responses and 10 of them were really contradicting what you assumed, you can go to whoever's the timekeeper and say, look, if we proceed, we proceed. But I'm just going to tell you that I have these things that make me a little uneasy. So do you want to give us another day to get more feedback or another week to get more feedback? Because here is the cost of if we make this wrong decision, what will happen? But you need to lay that out for people is this is how much more time we would need. This is what could potentially go wrong if we don't do this. And now it's your decision. Like, it's usually not my decision to go no-go. So to wrap things up, I asked Cindy, what's the one thing that she wanted people to walk away from this interview with? If product people could take one concept and start running with it, what would it be? Cindy boils down the entire concept of challenging assumptions into this. So I think there's a really interesting framing if you have something that you want to do, which is to say, here is a problem that exists. Not this is a feature we need to build, but here is a problem that customers have. Here is the evidence that they have this problem. Here is what bad thing could happen if we don't act on it. And so if you kind of start everything from those first principles, you can keep returning to them and it helps a lot of communications to say, like, we have this problem. Here's the evidence that we have this problem. Here's the bad thing that will happen if we don't fix it. Because then those are three very objective things that people can then argue with any one piece of it. So if they say, I don't think that's a good idea. You've laid that framework so you can say, but I want to know what part of it is not a good idea. Is it that this problem doesn't exist? Is it that this evidence is not reliable evidence? Or is it that this consequence won't happen? Because a lot of times people just sort of disagree and they don't specify and if I don't specify, if you don't specify what the problem is, my next solution's not going to be any better. Like I am not going to iterate internally and be better unless I know which part of that is flawed. But it, it requires a sort of very clear communication where you're like, this is what I'm starting for. These are my building blocks. And now if you have a problem, which one of the building blocks do I need to go fix? And that can make conversations go really fast. It can also prevent the the situation where there's a coworker or a manager who gets lost in the details because they love details, that they're very good, that's why they got the way they were, but then you end up having a conversation about why that text label like line wraps, which is not productive. And you can and then you can kind of say, you're right, Mike, it does line wrap. We'll fix that. But what I really need to know is which part of these assumptions was flawed. If you found yourself nodding your head a lot during this episode and you want to spend time with Cindy and work with her on training yourself to challenge your assumptions, challenge the assumptions of others you work with, well, you may want to come to Industry, the product conference this fall. Cindy will be there presenting a limited half-day working session on this exact concept. Here's what you might expect if you were able to grab a spot in her working session. I talk a lot about cognitive biases. Uh, because I find that the best way to overcome them is to know them. So there are all these shortcuts that our brains make to help us deal with the world and the million pieces of knowledge that are thrown at us every second. And a lot of them 
are not super logical. Like they kept us from being eaten by the woolly mammoth, but they're not good for building product. So I tend to use it as a foundation because it's a way of grounding things that sound kind of fluffy or soft skillsy, which sometimes gets dismissed in like, no, this is actually how your brain chemistry works. Like these are things that you, that happen to you, they happen to your customers, they happen to your boss. So know this, accept it, and then here's how to work around it. If you do decide to make your way out for Cindy's working session at industry, give me a shot on Twitter at at Belsito. Maybe we could link up while we're both there. Otherwise, you could keep learning from Cindy on all things related to customer development, user experience, and yes, challenging assumptions by following her on Twitter at at Cindy Alvarez or by visiting her website at cindyalvarez.com. Thanks for joining us today. I hope you got a lot out of today's conversation. And if you did, it would be awesome if you could head on over to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts from and give it a five-star rating. That kind of thing helps us a ton. It'd also be great if you could just let your friends know about the podcast since it is relatively new. For Product Collective, I'm Mike Belsito, and this is Build, Launch, Scale.